Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Well, welcome everyone. My name is Michael Brodeur and we are back together again for another episode of the Leaders Alliance podcast. And today I have an amazing friend who's going to be on with us, Ken Gott, who is a principal leader and revivalist within the UK and throughout Europe and really around the world. Uh, but before I introduce him, let me just share a little bit about who we are and what we're up to. Um, Leaders Alliance is a global community of kingdom-minded leaders. We really long to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We recognize the value and the purpose of the local church, but we also realize that the local church alone cannot get the job done, that the local church is the incubator for the destinies of every member. As we raise them up and send them out, they go into various aspects of the marketplace, into education and medicine and, and uh, government and business business and, and uh, neighborhoods and so forth, and they bring the kingdom with them. And so our passion is to raise up these revivalists who will actually bring God's kingdom into every sphere of culture, every, every uh, arena of society. And so our goal is to actually see God's purposes so that we can actually affect the harvest. We believe that God is on the verge of, of uh, another great outpouring of his Holy Spirit that, that literally millions and perhaps even billions will come to Christ in the coming season. We're excited about that prospect, but we also are aware that in the last 50 years, the church has lost much of its voice and culture. And really, it's it's um, we've been kind of asleep at the wheel. We've been a little bit AWOL, and our abdication has allowed other forces and other worldviews to come into the educational system and, and elsewhere and really bring a level of dominance that has shifted our culture away from Christ and away from the blessings of God's kingdom. And so we believe that it's time for us to rise up and begin to restore our voice in culture, that we have a place, we have a, we have a heart to influence and bring people into a greater clarity as it relates to God's purposes in the earth. And so that's uh, that being said, I'd like to actually uh, say that the 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 guest we have on today, Ken and Lois Gott, although Lois will not be joining us for the podcast, but she was on our earlier meeting. It's called the Hub Meeting, and it's for members only in general, but once a month we open it up for everybody. So today we had a lot of guests join us, and it was a great time of hearing from Ken and Lois together as a couple. They've been married 46 years. They have an incredible history, a phenomenal legacy that they're, that they're bringing about in terms of their leadership in the lives of multiple multitudes throughout their nation and throughout the world. And so, um, but I also brought them on because I know that they're, they're doing things in the marketplace, in the realm of education, in the realm of helping within social services and so forth, mental illness that is tr tremendously powerful and impactful, but they're also still uh, leading a house of prayer, doing some things that are affecting the kingdom of heaven. I sit on a, a, a board with, uh, 
Ken and Lois, where we are actually influencing a whole movement of leaders with Catch the Fire around the world. And so I love these people, and uh, I'm so excited that Ken's going to join us for this particular broadcast. So, uh, Ken, can you come on right now and uh, join us? And I, I just want to welcome you. I'm so blessed we you are on our call today. And and I just like you to begin. Just share a little bit about who you are and and uh, let the uh, audience become familiar. You know, we're speaking to a smaller audience right now, but there, this will be on our YouTube for you know years to come. And so you'll be speaking to the archives in the future as well. So why don't you share with us a little bit about your story? Well, what a great privilege to be with you, Michael. And uh, <clears throat> just thank you for the invitation really. And uh, I believe that the Lord is going to do something really good. Uh, Tremendous, in fact, because we're the ultimate optimists, aren't we? We we just believe for God to break in whatever environment we're in. So, yeah, you and I will talk, but at the same time, we're expecting the Holy Spirit to come and just bless everybody in the sound of our voices. And also... um, even when we've gone, <laughs> other vo- uh, younger voices yes. later on. Yeah, because as you said, it's going to be archived. Yeah. Well, um, hi, everybody. And uh, as has been said, and of course, you can see my name there, Ken Gott. And uh, I'm um, 67 years old. And, um, you know, in, in, in England, in, when you're 66, you can, you can draw a state pension uh, because people expect you to retire. But um, the Lord has no uh, limit is relation, in relation to how old you should be when you retire. In fact, I just, I just feel you should never retire. You, you should, uh, you, you know, um, I don't have a retirement plan because I don't have a plan to retire. So, you know, you come to a, a certain age and you do, you do feel you're looking back more than you can look forward. But... Um, I remember just last year saying, Lord, okay, let's let's look at the next decade. What will that look like? What is, what is it for me? Because um, whatever it is that you're doing, I want to be a part of it. And I don't just want to be a part of it. I mean, I want to be right out there in front Amen. doing what I've done all my life and, and just being um, a significant um, part of, that which you were doing and so uh yeah i i grew up in a christian home but um you know i have no qualifications for what i'm doing right now in fact the total opposite the um uh, my my parents were you know i loved my mom and dad but they they weren't great with uh at the time when i was growing up you know i had an absent dad a a missing mother and (laughs) And uh, they went to church, which was just religion. Uh, it was a Pentecostal chapel, but the Holy Spirit had long left, long left. Uh, it was dry. It was there was no young people. I got dragged along, and uh, and <clears throat> but inside, somebody must have been praying somewhere. You know, the Bible tells us that a curse can go to the third and at best fourth generation. But the blessing of God, it goes to a thousand generations. Amen. I mean, not a thousand people. <laughs> it's amazing. In other words, I mean, that's just the Bible's way of saying there ain't no end to this. You know, once the Lord sends a blessing, 
down that uh, bloodline. Uh, nobody can stop it. And, uh, well, um, I guess grandparents, great-grandparents, because they were all born again, must have been praying because I did have this hook in me. I would I would drink, but not not really bad. I would go out with girls, but not really sleep around with hundreds of girls, you know, whatever. Um, I'd smoke a few cigarettes, but not get into drugs. You know, it was always this hook just pulling me back, waiting for a moment when I would walk into a church, which would be all about my destiny. And I was 17 yeah. years old and uh, I walked into a Sunday night service, my brother, myself, my mother. And uh, it was like inside an inner voice said, you're home now. This is your home. Mm -hmm. And and boy, it was, I didn't want to leave it. And uh, so all that other stuff I was doing, I just, I didn't want to do. I just wanted to be a part of this. Two weeks later, I'm sitting there in that church and I'm convicted. Just the Holy Spirit telling me I was a sinner and I needed to just get this thing right. Wow. <clears throat> and I couldn't leave the, the building. It was a Sunday morning. There was no altar call. It was a Sunday morning. Altar calls were Sunday night, but some, not Sunday mornings, but I couldn't leave the building. I found the the assistant pastor. I I asked her, could I have a word? We went into the vestry, as they called it then. And the minute the door closed behind me, I fell on my knees and I just cried my way to, wow. to Jesus. Yeah, just, <laughs> just. But as I said earlier, you know, um, I think some people get saved out of, but then some people get saved out of and into. And I was definitely one of those that got saved into something because in a moment, I just became a radical lover of Jesus. I just just fell in love with the Lord. Wow. I knew a lot about him because I'd grown up in it, but I never knew him. And, and, and you know, I just had heroes that I wanted to be like faith heroes. And uh, I just, I just wanted one day to be able to walk away, sacrifice everything and give my life to serving the Lord. But, you know, because Michael, I had this, just this bad childhood. I, I grew up a very sad, broken young man, just very sad, very broken and uh, not really educated. Uh, I'll be honest with you, because, um, you know, it just wasn't there for me. Later on, I became the youngest fingerprint expert in the country. So I had, I obviously had some intelligence, but but in terms of my education, going through high school, every, every, no. and, um, and, and, and broken and just dysfunctional in myself. And just wondering sometimes, well, why would God even want me and, and yeah. choose me for yeah. the ministry? But I then married Lois, um, who was total opposite to me, and uh, an open book, and just uh, she became my personal therapist. And, <laughs> <laughs> she was just like just like oil, just warm oil every time I was with wow. her. You know, it, fell in love with her just fell in love with it, became childhood sweethearts. We we got engaged very quickly, got married. The minute I was 21, I promised my mother I'd wait till I was 21. The minute I was 21, I got, I got married. We've been married, as you said, for 46 years. But her father, her father was the pastor and Lois was a, an only child. And so it was like the Lord just had set it up really, you know, that, that my future, my destiny and purpose was, was all there, right? in front of me. Anyway, 
by at this time i was a crime scene investigator majoring in fingerprint evidence and became an expert at 22 michael how can you be an expert in anything at 22 <laughs> tell me i mean come on you and i are the same age you know yes. 22 you and i are an expert on anything That's so amazing. anyway they but they called me a fingerprint expert and uh, and then i went into the police and then i had I had this call, a dramatic call, into the ministry at 27 years old. And at 30 years old, we, Lois and I went to the city of Sunderland, 12 miles from Newcastle, and we planted our church, and the Lord um, blessed us. Wow. Um, <clears throat> I was very much word of faith back then, and, and so my my associates, I wouldn't call them my best friends, but my associates were people like Benny Hinn, actually, and uh, Reinhard Reiner Bonnke. I was on Reinhard Bonnke's board. And, um, and of course, when you're with these guys, then you're with other guys, you know. And so I, I just wanted to be this man of, uh, of power for the hour. <laughs> and I wanted to wear a black power suit and, and a white shirt and a, a loud tie. And, and I was, you know, <clears throat> I was going to just preach and, and heaven would come down and, and everything else. But we had a tragedy at that time. You know, we lost our son. As he was being born, he just died on us. And so <clears throat> um, we, I just became very, very broken and very angry at God. Just very angry at God. But, um, you know, Randy Clark's testimony where um, the Lord rescued him by telling him to go to Kenneth Hagen's camp meeting to yeah. be prayed for by Rodney Howard Brown. And, yeah. and Randy is a, a vineyard pastor at that time, like the opposite, really. Right. And, you know, God just does that, doesn't he? You know, he just. <laughs> and so he, I didn't know Benny Hinn at this time, but I went to a Reinhard Bonnke fire conference in Frankfurt, Germany. And I told the Lord, I mean, the arrogance of this is unbelievable. I told the Lord, I'm going to give you this conference to get me straightened up and healed up or else I'm going back to being a police officer. I was, that's how low I had become. I was yes. very, very low and yeah. despondent. And, <clears throat> and so anyway, the last meeting, <laughs> he had Benny Hinn there. And I just didn't like Benny Hinn at all. I, I didn't like anything about him. I didn't like his accent. I didn't like the way he sparkled. I didn't like the way he dressed. I didn't <laughs> like the way he threw his coat on people. I didn't like the way he prayed. And, and I, I just didn't like him. And so, but I wasn't there for him. I was there for Reinhardt. And Reinhardt will pray for me, surely. But anyway, yeah, just to cut a long story short, the last meeting of that conference, Benny asked English pastors to come to the front. He wanted to pray for them. We're in the middle of Germany. I mean, it's where the Germans live, right? But he's mm -hmm. asking English pastors to come forward. Mm. And uh, and so I think everybody that night was an English pastor. And so there was a stampede. <laughs> but I managed to beat them all. And, uh, and I'm standing in front of them. I think this is worth saying, really. And uh, he kind of just prayed for me like this. Take it, right? And so he just he hit me on the forehead like that. And he just said, take it. And I just... I fell under the power of God. I just, I just, wow. uh, I wasn't used to this. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd not, it was the first time. I'd never done this before. Right. And then, and then, you know, typical of Benny, he said to his guys, pick him up. And so he picked me up. And then <clears throat> he blew on me. 
and and Michael, you know, if I blew on you now, of course, if we were together, <laughs> not virtually, yeah. if we were together, you, you would, it would be my breath you would feel. But when Benny blew on me, it was not his breath. Wow. Because it actually penetrated. Right. It, it had to be supernaturally, God changed his yeah. breath to, to God's breath. Wow. The breath of God came in and just, it just filled me. Wow. And I fell down again. And then, then he, he says, pick him up one more time. And now I'm looking at him and I felt something which um, I've ne I never felt before and have never felt since to that degree. I don't even know how to describe it. But if there's such a thing as liquid anointing, mm. I was standing in it right there. Wow. And that's all wow. I can just describe. Yeah. That that from beyond Benny was coming like liquid anointing through him, around him, through me, around me. We were both standing in it. And wow. I could even measure it a, a meter high. Wow. I could even measure where I was standing up, up wow. to my waist. Amazing. So if you, if, if you want to look at scripture for it, well, I guess I was standing in Ezekiel's river up wow. to my waist. I think wow. that was the moment that I was in. And then Benny looked at me and he said, um, young man, now I'm only two years younger than him, but I guess I've always looked younger than him. Okay, so young man, he said, uh, from this moment on, and he's pointing at me like this, from this moment on, you will never be the same again. Wow. Take it. And I went down. So now, standing, it's up to my waist. But now I'm in it. I'm in wow. Ezekiel's river that you can't touch the bottom. Yes. It's rivers that you can only swim in. Waters that you can only swim in. And uh, if I kind of analyzed it then in relation to what I'm doing now, I would know the significance of that. Yes. Earlier on, when you and I talked on the on the um, uh, the Alliance Hub meeting, yeah, um, I told you about my calling being around sure. Nehemiah, yeah, restoring the walls and replacing the gates. So that that link was easy, but this one only came to me not too long ago. I'll be honest with you, when I I was hearing my son-in-law preach. Wow. And uh, he was preaching on Ezekiel's river, the river of God, and of course, paralleling it with John's vision of the same river. Yes. Uh, in Revelation. Yeah. And so John says the river comes from the throne of grace and it's crystal clear at its source. Yes. Right. But Ezekiel talks about where the river goes. <clears throat> He says it came from under the threshold of the temple, but John sees into the temple. Yes. And he sees where it's coming from. But the river, Ezekiel sees where it's going. And of course, it's going to the fishermen who are casting their nets. Yes. It, it's going to the trees that where the leaves are for the healing of the nations. That's so good. It, it, it's going to where the fish are that need saving. Yeah. And but that river, as opposed to the source, which is crystal clear, by the time that it gets down to where Engedi is and every and these guys are casting their nets, 
Michael, it's not a clean, crystal clear river by this yeah. time. No, it's it's what rivers become contaminated. Yes. yes. It it becomes it becomes muddy and and dirty and 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 full of other stuff. But but once the Lord gets us in to the point at which he can put us on our back and we are taken by the river. Yeah. I'm not talking about literally on our back. I'm just figuratively right. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Then then we've got to be prepared to swim in a dirty river. Hmm. See, it's nice up at the source. Yes. Because oh, it's just, you know, the church, revival meetings, yes. being with friends like you and me together, you know, and we're splashing about in the river and it's fantastic. <clears throat> but there comes a time, especially if we're serious about revival, where we've got to learn to swim in a in a dirty river. Yeah. And uh, because that's where the fish are. That's right. And so and so when I describe it as liquid anointing like a river, that's what happened to me that night. Yes. But when I got up, Betty walked away and left me. About 20 minutes later I got up. I was a different man, Michael. Different wow. man. Wow. Uh, uh, my brokenness had been healed. My heart, which was in pieces, had been put together. Yeah. It was just like in that moment, and I was ready to go again. I really was Amazing, yeah. ready to go again. I still wore my power suits, you know, and, and, and everything else. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and um, because I felt, you know, well, that, that was my tradition, and I was just faithful yeah. to that. But I, um, I actually believed, like, no, this is how you should preach. You should only preach <laughs> like this. Yeah. So, yes. No, so that's anyway. good. Well, let me, yeah. let me pause for one minute because what yeah. – you know, just for our audience' sake, uh, what what Ken's describing has happened to me also in various ways. I mean, I've gone to meetings where I didn't have much respect for the style of the minister, but I suspended my resistance, my bad attitude, because I sensed God's presence. Yeah, and and it's it's unusual. I mean, G Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey. <laughs> he, you mm -hmm. know, God can ride on anyone if He wants to. And I've been in some amazing meetings where, in fact, one of them was with Benny Hinn, and I had a hard time with his style. But I don't mm -hmm. know if I've been in too many meetings where the presence of God was as tangibly felt. Yeah, you know, and and I think yeah. that that's one of the things we have to remember is that. If we want revival, it's not going to look like what we thought, that it mm -hmm. will be a little messy. There will be sometimes mm -hmm. wildfire that comes with the real fire and that there will be, you know, even I know that you have a similar story. But during the Toronto era, we went up there and we were so hurt and so hungry and so broken because of certain trials we had gone through. And uh, and I was a little skeptical, but then God touched me. And everything shifted. We came back to San Francisco. We had a meeting hall that sat 1,200. We started nightly meetings for 18 months, six nights a week. Yeah. I know you guys did something similar. Mm -hmm. But the question I want to get to is, in this, in this moment, is you have had some amazing encounters with some amazingly anointed people over the years. And I'm wondering how you, how you assess that and how you see that Looking back on your encounter with uh, Terry Virgo, let's say, or you know your your uh, prophetic words from some of the main prophetic leaders, or being in Argentina with Claudio Frazon, you know, you've had these amazing opportunities. Talk about that a little bit and how that helps shape your perspective on where the world is at and where we're going. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I'm actually a product of of 
God encounters of that kind. Yeah. Um, I never went to Bible school in the end. I, 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 I'm not theologically trained. I married a theologian. Lois has a theological degree. And yeah. so I, I could always ask her, couldn't I? You know, but uh, I, I just didn't have that kind of background, ministerial background. Yes. I didn't even go to a school of ministry because it didn't exist back yeah. then. I was um, just put alongside an incredible servant of God. And uh, uh, he became my father-in-law. He was an incredible man of prayer. You wouldn't call him a dreamer, a prophetic guy in that sense, but just one of the greatest evangelists that I've ever, ever met. And, mm. and that would go for a one-on-one, -on -one, just personal revive, uh, uh, evangelizing, as well as preaching the gospel and and pulling in the net. You know, every Sunday night, he had wow. many, many people come to Jesus. Um, and he was, um, he feared the Lord. He loved the Lord. He, he came out of a very, very, he was illegitimate, grew up in the slums of Manchester, England, um, out of absolute poverty and uh, didn't even, didn't know who his father was to the day he died. He didn't mm. even know who his father was Wow! and um, got saved. And, and the Lord called him in the ministry. And this man, this man became my mentor. He, he became the person that uh, would shape me and mold me and, uh, and, 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 and cause, yeah, I just can't thank him enough. Cause me to be the wow. man that I am right now, you know. Subsequent to that, um, or alongside that, have been these interventions. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, we, we have, um, we have a, a, an adopted daughter called Rachel. I have to be careful because I know this is going to go live and I know that she might see the recording later. So I've got to be a little bit careful. But, um, but Rachel, Rachel grew up um, with, with challenges. And, um, and, you know, we were trying to find out how to, to help her um, because, of, because her birth mother had uh, ingested drugs and alcohol, uh, you know, while she was in utero. Then, you know, um, she was just born, born with these challenges. So I'll never forget. I never forget when a psychologist or a psychiatrist or somebody said, said that, Mr. And Mrs. God, what you have to realize is that at this moment in time in Rachel's life, she does not have the capacity to fix herself. Mm. She needs external intervention. Wow. And, and if she doesn't get it, she will not be healed she will not go on to be what she wants to be or what she should be. She will not become a success because she's trying to fix herself and she's not able to at that time because yeah. yeah. she had no understanding of it. And, and I, felt, I felt the Lord speak. And actually the word really came to Lois. And she said, um, and she said this, find Lois's, find Rachel's triggers. Mm -hmm. What is it that causes her to explode? What is it that causes her to become stressful and violent and, and, and what have you? Find the triggers and bring intervention at that level. Yeah. And the Lord spoke to Lois and said, you know, my church is 
autistic. Just mm. like that. Yeah. It, it, it can't fix itself. Mm. It's trying to fix itself by creating right environments, yes. by building the right facilities, yes. by employing the best worship leaders, by, by, um, you know, finding finding a, a good sermon series or whatever. Now, I'm not saying there's no value in these things. Of course, yes. there is, but it's yeah. trying to fix itself. Yeah. And what the church needs is external intervention, and what we need. As men and as men and women of God, we need, and especially as leaders, we need intervention which is outside of ourselves. And 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 so we began to do that, bring the therapies in and everything else. And Rachel started to improve. She just graduated with a first class honors degree from her local university. Yes, so she wow. actually, yeah, it's 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 a miracle. She wow. actually has performed really well, and uh, you know she's a marvelous, marvelous young lady right now. So, so I, I, I'm a product of external intervention of the God kind. Yes. Not therapy and, and, and such, but of the God kind. And I want to tell you, if, if, when I talk of my history and my moving from, I, I don't want to use the words level, one level to another level, I'll just move on in the journey. Let's go that way. Let's yeah. move on in the journey. Then I look back at when God broke in and through a servant of Christ or through a set of events, it was raw God. It was just yes. the Lord. No, yeah. yeah, nothing else, just the Lord. And I responded to it and, and God either changed the direction of my life or added something to me or, or whatever. And then, of course, one, because you mentioned it, one of them was um, going to Toronto. In mm -hmm. 94. Yeah. So it was June 1994. I met John on it in the corridor through an arranged meeting. And he put his hand on my head and he asked for the Holy Spirit to come upon me. And the fire of God went through me. I went on the floor, started shaking a little bit. But but my hands started to burn this, the palm of my hand. Wow. wow. And it was on fire. Yeah. It was burning. And it was moving so fast, moving so fast. And then something incredible happened. I was aware that all I can describe is, is like a finger and mapping out, mapping the map of Europe. Wow. And, 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 and mapping the borders. Mm -hmm. So the Scandinavian countries and then, and then Western Europe, you know, Germany, Holland, France, and then the Mediterranean countries of Portugal, Spain, Italy, and Cyprus, and, and others. Just the map of Europe. And every border was on fire. Wow. Every one. Wow. And um, I, I said, Lord, when I got up, what was that all about? And you know, I never even told John till many years later about that. And I never told Lois. I just kept it in my heart, just kept asking the Lord, what is what is it about? But hey, Michael, I believe that Europe is being set up for a revival. I really do. So awesome. I, I really do believe in the billion soul harvest. And I believe that Europe will and I I I I know that the Russian Ukraine war is a prelude to it, that mm -hmm. God is setting it up. 
And then on the back of this war, I believe we're going to see a move of God. Mm. Unprecedented wow. on, in this continent. Unprecedented. And so, and so now I'm, I'm, I'm free to talk because I felt it in 94. Yes. And, and every now and again, my hand burns. Wow. And it's just a manifestation that the Lord has given me, you know, that my hand, and, I, and I'm reminded when it happens of that original impartation, which, which has to do with right now. That's so right good. now, today, yeah. you know, it's amazing how God does something and, and you think it's for them. <laughs> you sure. think it's, a, okay, let, let's get going. But you know what? It can be for 10 or even 20 years or even longer. That because God's not locked in time, right? He's right. He, we're locked in time and space, but He's not. He sees right. the beginning to the end, and yeah. so He can do it at any time. And but we've just got to kind of find the time slot, if you like, you know. That's so right. When God spoke that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. you know, let's let's talk about this issue of revival because obviously, like in the immediate aftermath, you told me of that experience at Toronto, God began to do some amazing things at your own church, because you're now several years into a church plant at this point, and, and God began to, you did nightly meetings, I think, for four years, six nights a week. Three, and a, three and a half years. Three and a half yeah, years. Three and a half years. And yeah. then you started to travel, and I'm sure a lot of that travel was around the map that God had drawn on your hand. Yeah. So give us a picture of that, of that journey from being touched by the Lord so powerfully in Toronto and then how that began to unfold in terms of your ministry impact around, around the continent. Well, here's what I feel, Michael, um, in relation to the end time harvest, it was a preparation of the church for the end time harvest. Yes. So it wasn't really something God was doing in order to bring in the end time harvest there and then. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us preached that, you know, yeah. revivals yeah. here that the, the lost, but they didn't. Right. They, of course, people found Jesus and churches yeah. grew and, and yeah, but not when you're talking a billion souls, right. not when you're talking the end time harvest, right. not at all. And, but it was a preparation of the heart for those that were walking with the Lord. Yes. So for the body of Christ. Yes. And for the bride itself, it was, what are you going to do about this? Um, how are you going to react? How are you going to respond? Right. And, um, and, and are you going to allow um, a process to take place? Which was, mm -hmm. for me, it was a greater level of intimacy. It was a passion for Jesus. It was a the birthing of our house of prayer. It was mm -hmm. a call into his presence where you were happy just to gaze upon him and just adore him and 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 just were overcome by his his magnificence. Yes. Um and I saw that repeated all over the place. Yeah. It it never really, never really brought in the hundreds and thousands and thousands and thousands. Um, but here we are. Yes. Here we are right now mm -hmm. and like you <laughs> i've been in moves of god you know mm -hmm. and um toronto was a move of god of course it was but i actually preached in the pensacola move of god for john kilpatrick yes and i preached i preached for carlos anacondia in argentina yeah. and saw what he was doing and claudia Fritzen, i preached for him 
and saw what he was doing and, and actually went into prisons and saw revival in Argentina, I'm talking about. And then there were pockets around the world where you would see these just these wells, if you like, you know, being being opened up. And if I could look, if I could just use this terminology, it it felt like if I just use rain and water as an analogy, it just felt like a deluge was being poured out of heaven. Yeah. So it was a deluge coming down. It was just absolutely, you know, you couldn't contain it. You couldn't catch it. It was just, it, you were drenched in it. You were just overcome by it. And, and, and of course that continued in my preaching. We saw outbreaks in Australia and outbreaks in various other places as the Lord. And, and even recently, you know, and about three years ago, Lois and I went to Hawaii and saw an incredible outbreak wow. of the of the Holy Spirit in the fire of God, just like we'd experienced in years past. Yeah, it was it was fantastic, but not thousands coming in. Now, here's the problem we have, okay? <laughs> the challenge we have. And the challenge, and this will probably lead us on to something else, but the challenge that we have is this: that if we really believe in a billion souls, and let's just limit it at a billion souls being saved. Our structures, as they are now, cannot contain yes. a much less number than that, never mind a billion souls. Yeah. And so if we have in our mind revival being um, platform-driven and hundreds of people coming into our church buildings, we won't contain them. That's right. Not, not right. that which God wants to do in these end times. And so that was my challenge. Lord, thank you for the renewal. And I am a product of the renewal. I'm a, re I'm a product of revival and Holy Spirit intervention by different men, men of yes. God. I am what I am today because of that history. But I'm looking ahead and I'm believing all of Europe coming in. Wow. I'm believing for a billion souls. Yes. So, you know, we have an organization here called Europe shall be saved. And they, they preach the same thing. Yes. A billion soul harvest, but you can't, I don't think that it's going to be through crusade meetings, yeah. stadiums. Yeah. I don't think it is. I think actually it's going to be a bit more hidden than that. Yeah. And I think, I think there's an anointing going to come upon the body of Christ, which is beyond the platform. That's good. And if I say the platform would be the, the preachers and the worship leaders. Yeah. Beyond that. Yeah. To an anointing that sits on the on the congregation and beyond that as well. And if if in the past it was a deluge down, I want to use the words of um of Heidi Baker. I believe the coming revival will be a trickle up. Wow. And and what I mean by that is that I think it's going to be the twos and threes. Yes. This is yes. what Jesus said. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Mm. And the ingredients of this is really simple. And I didn't see it until 
until a couple of years ago, because I used to preach this, and Pew probably did the same, mm-hmm. that, well, at least we've got two or three, you know, and the Bible says this. So where there's at least two or three, but the Bible doesn't say where there's at least two or three. It actually says where there is two or three. Right. And so I think that there is something of an anointing that mm. God wants to put on groups of two or three. That's so good. Who can position themselves anywhere in society. They don't need buildings. They don't need offerings. They don't need equipment. They just need each other. Where two or three, and all they need as an add-on to that is the manifest presence of Jesus. Wow. So two or three gathering in the manifest presence of Jesus will bring the kingdom of God. Then I realized something. You know what? The Trinity is a group of three. Yes. And Jesus always took a group of three with him. (laughs) Always. Yeah, that's right. You know, for the big ones, you know, for the big deal. Yeah. He took a group of three. And so we should congregate. Absolutely. Michael, something happens when we're together. Yes. And we should do that for worship. We should do that for the preaching of the word and everything else. But in the congregation, we have to have these groups of two or three that Edsel Vosso calls the ecclesia. Yes. That are being discipled to take the kingdom wherever their life is operating. That's right. And I think that will spread more than trying to get people in to the four walls of our building. I think yes. that has no limit. Yes. No limit at all. So that's what well, I see um, in the future. Yeah. Well, I want to explore this just a little bit more. But um, before we do, let me just say, if you're listening to this uh, and you're just now learning about Leaders Alliance, this is what we're all about. We believe that God is going to be moving on the earth. He is moving on the earth right now in pays. But we believe we are on the verge of what could be the greatest harvest of souls in all of human history. And it's not going to be primarily because of arena gatherings or because of church gatherings. It's going to be because of the empowering of every believer. And those clusters of two or three that are gathering together. In other words, it's all hands on deck. I wrote a book with with Banning Leapshire and Bill Johnson put a chapter in and it's called revival culture prepare for the next great awakening that's what this whole book is about is saying hey you know god is about to move on the earth but the scope of that move is going to be so great that our current structures cannot contain it i use the example of the coffee in the cup you know most of us you know we love coffee or you know a good cup of tea but without the cup it's hard to get it to your mouth we need some structure But the structure has to be adapted to the juice that we're hoping to ingest. And this is the issue is is that I believe the the structure of this coming move of God is what Jesus said in uh, Revelation chapter one, or actually was said about Jesus, that in chapter in verse five and six, it says that he died so that we would all be priests and kings unto our God so that every single believer would step into their authority, step into their calling as a world-changing influencer, and that ultimately revival would be atomized to the average person, that, uh, you know, a seven a seven billion, seven and a half billion person planet, a billion soul harvest is roughly 15%. 
we don't have enough church buildings for that 15%. If you take a, a, a million-person city and 15% of them are going to come to Christ, 150,000 people are coming to Christ in a million-person city, well, we need to expand beyond our current understanding of what church is and what it needs to be. And that's what Leaders Alliance is all about. So we encourage yeah. you to check out our website, leadersalliance.org. We have a training on leadership that we believe is crucial to producing what actually uh, Ken God is talking about right now, that two or three member person, ecclesia, that that needs to be trained. It needs to be actually, there needs to be skills imparted so that we know how to bring about that transformation. We have a, a, a an amazing product that we've just released called um, Kingdom Leadership Foundations. And it's the first in a series of training that we're offering that will actually help you to become the leader that God's called you to be so that you can participate uh, in this coming move of the Holy Spirit in a way that actually has integrity and that produces real tangible impact. But I want to get back to this about 10 more minutes. We're going to wrap up in this season. But you've been forecasting um, a move of God throughout the European continent, you know, including the UK. And, and I'm wondering, you know, what do you see as some of the potential hindrances to that happening? Like, I mean, obviously you, you studied society and culture and so forth. Is there, are there two or three things that you think we need to be praying about right now to remove these obstacles to see God's spirit move in a greater way? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I need, just need to talk um, at a personal level yeah. um, because I see it actually on a wider front. But... Um, the problem we have as the church is mm -hmm. that uh, we think that um, God loves us more than them. Yeah. And so because because we worship him and because we um, love his word and we read his word and because we pray to him. Um, but but God's not emotionally driven. Yeah. And uh, and he loves mankind. It is that none should perish. Yes. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's an interesting thing there, Michael, because I didn't see it until recently. That Because I used to quote it, they that are lost or him that is lost. But actually, the Bible says that which was lost. And so there's a lot of things got lost by Adam, you know, in the Garden yeah. of Eden. The, the intimacy, yeah. the walk, and sin came in and everything else, you know. And and, and the kingdom got lost. And so... Mm -hmm. um, when, when the Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, I feel that it is bringing back the kingdom of God, but bringing it back into every sector of society. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I had to do, which was a major hindrance to me, because I grew up in a separatist doctrine, yeah, a separatist culture. It was... You cannot go there because the sinners are there. You can't play with them because they're sinners. Their dad does this and does that and da-da-da. And, and so I, I, I grew up, and, and my parents were trying to cocoon me, if you like, yeah. separating yeah. me from the world. And, and it builds in you a judgment. Yeah. And it, it builds in you a criticism. That's right. And, uh, and so my wife uh, has a charity which uh, is frontline. And um, 
I I say to her, Lois, you're 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 establishing the new frontier of the white fields. Yeah. <laughs> doing what you're doing, and um, and so you know she took on the challenge to um, to help kids who are traumatized, emotionally disturbed, even mentally ill, and see if we can educate them, take care of them, and uh, put them on the right path and their lives becoming something. But, you know, um, society, my goodness, who would have believed that we would be dealing with what we're dealing with now in relation to how society has made up? Right. I remember Billy, it was either Billy Graham or some, some wise person said, you know, you can't unscramble scrambled egg. Yes. And if somebody had come to us in the past with a different persuasion, we we might um, I'm using language <laughs> which um, hopefully is is not too offensive, but just came to us with a different persuasion. We would judge and criticize it, yes. and we would say, "Change! You need to change that before you can come in here." Right now, now the word from the Lord is, "No, I want you to go in among them, yeah, and I want you to do it without criticism." without judgment, without manipulation. Mm -hmm. Love them for who they are until yes. they ask why. Yes. And so we uh, we actually have this saying in my wife's charity, which is called Hope Spring. We actually have this saying, um, love what's in front of you or who's in front of you without criticism, judgment, manipulation until they ask you why. That's so good. And so, and so we need to do that to the world. And until we mm -hmm. do that, as the church, mm -hmm. then actually this revival won't come. Yeah. Because we're coming with judgment and we're coming with the opposite. Jesus never ever judged. Right. Yeah, he drew he drew lines. Yeah. No doubt about it. But he never judged and criticized. Yes. You who's without sin, you throw the first stone, you know. Right. And he, he he dined with the Pharisees. Oh, if mm -hmm. if if he knew what that woman was, he wouldn't allow that. Yes, he yes. knew exactly who the woman was, and he allowed it. Yes. And so the challenge for the church is living living in and with the world without compromise, with the love of God that doesn't judge or criticize. Wow. That is the challenge wow. right now, and that's going to be the big, big hindrance, not our technology or lack of it or even what we have or our yeah. worship or our preaching or our knowledge it's the ability to move from the fold which is the coziness of our church community yes. into the flock yes and jesus did a parable about this and he said you know heaven rejoices more right when somebody in the flock is found yes rather than the 99 that stay in the fold that's rejoices right. more Right. And so we need we need to have this ability to leave the fold and wander into the flock. But I just want to put this my, my, without compromise. Yes. This is not license. This is not license to be like them. We right. can never go there and be, a, as I said earlier, um, a subculture. Right. We, we have right. to always endeavor to establish a counterculture and show them a better way. So to be among them without compromise, but mm -hmm. to be among them and not criticize. 
Yeah, that, exactly. That combination, I think, is such a powerful thing. In fact, when I was praying, this was about maybe six weeks ago, I was praying, God, what what are some of the earmarks of the coming wave of the Holy Spirit? And I felt like um, the Lord spoke to my heart that the, the key characteristic will be a characteristic of love. That love will be the dominant flow, the dominant uh, characteristic and but but love without compromise. Totally. I think that that's one of the things that was brought out. I think in the early days of Vineyard and and even the Toronto outpouring was that um, they called it um, unsanctified mercy. In other words, a lot <laughs> of the trends that we see in the church right now are trying to love the world with an unholy love, with a with a, a compromising love. In other words, we're gonna. We're, we're not going to believe or speak the truth. And this is something that I feel like is, is a top issue. In fact, last week I, I spoke on this uh, with, our, with our hub gathering about how do we position ourselves in a world that's kind of going crazy? How do we position ourselves as messengers of love without compromise, but with clear honor for those we disagree with? Yeah. And so yeah. uh, this is, I think that's brilliant. No, that's, that's, that, that's exactly where we're at. And uh, if I just use what I said before, it's the frontier of the white fields. Oh, I love it that really phrase. Is yeah. Right there. Well, it's Edsel Vosos, Michael. I have to put my hands up. Yeah. He's no, the it, genius. He's the genius of these one-liners, you know. He's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all honor and love uh, Edsel yeah, Vosos. I, sure. I loved it when I heard it, and so I've just owned it now. It's just, you know, I, I said it was Ed the first two times, but now it's me, you know. So yeah, exactly, I'm just gonna yeah. Say it. So, yeah, you give credit at first. Well, this is, this but, is amazing. Yeah. Um, what final words would you have to say to the audience that's listening either now at this moment or in the future? Is there anything to kind of sum up this, this vision for the harvest that you feel like will kind of anchor it in people's hearts as we close? Yeah. Um, Jesus, Jesus said when he sent the 70 out, he said, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Yes. Which um, would not have been a great statement to hear. You know, because in the natural, wolves eat lambs. That's yes, just how it exactly. is. Yeah. <laughs> and yet Jesus is saying, I'm sending out as lambs among wolves. Uh, in other words, um, you remain a lamb. He didn't say become a wolf for them. Yes. You remain a lamb. But they will remain wolf-like until that transformation happens. So learn to love the wolf. Wow. And, and, uh, and, and people find it so difficult, you know, they're with people, maybe around a golf, a, a colleague says, let's do a round of golf. And he misses a hole and he's dropping the F word and everything else. And it's like, oh, oh, you know, that offends me. No, no. Listen, he's a wolf. Yeah. Learn to love the wolf. Wow. And, 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 and until we do it, there's, there's no progress. And I'm not talking about now the churches we have known it. Right? right, that you and I grew up in, and 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 have led for many many years. Yes, but actually expand your horizon to the kingdom of which the church that you know is a part of. Yes, and so the kingdom is much better than your your local church. Yes, the kingdom is much bigger than catch the fire. That's right. Or transform our world, or the assemblies right. of God de denomination. <clears throat> it 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 is the kingdom of God. Where, the, where life happens that needs to be manifested. 
So I believe it's already there. It just mm -hmm. needs the sons of God to rise up because the Bible tells us creation is already groaning. Amen. And so the kingdom is already trying to push through and find a way mm -hmm. to reveal itself. And, you know, at the end of that 70 uh, sending out. Yes. When when the felt need was met, heal the sick. Jesus said, heal the sick. And when the sick are healed, he said this, tell them that's the kingdom. Wow. He didn't say, tell them to come to Sunday morning. Yes. Now we'll get we'll get them there eventually. But yeah. he said, tell them that's what the kingdom is. Yes. It, it's health, wholeness, joy, peace, love. It's all those things that your heart is craving for. But you know, we have to be able to communicate it in in the myriad of environments. Yes. And you know, there are groups coming up now. Uh, <laughs> and they are minority. But boy, they have got a huge megaphone to their mouth. That's right. And they are shaping language. Yes. They are shaping history. Yes. They are they are shaping how we live, how we can talk to each other, how we can how we can dress, how we can yeah. Huh. You know, we we have to we have got to get in there and love the wolf. Right. Not judge it, not criticize it. Not throw stones at it, but love the wolf. And so I would say, seek the kingdom. Love what you're doing. Do what you're doing. But in the doing of that, seek the kingdom of God. And all of these things will be added unto you. Amen. That's my parting words, my dear. Amen. Friend. Well, can you just pray an impartation for all who are watching this, both live Amen. as well as in the future? Thank you, Lord. Amen. I will. Lord, I just want to, I want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you for the words that have come. Uh, I believe they've come from the heart and that they're not just, yeah, rehearsed um, words and just things we just trot out. But Lord, we, we're sincere about this because we've touched you and yes. we felt the sincerity of your heart. And we felt what you're about and what you want Jesus, to happen Jesus. and your mission. And so, Lord, we just want to align ourselves in your mission because you are on task, on mission 24-7. You oh. never slumber. You never sleep. And yeah. the great thing is you have invited such as I and such as us yes. to co-labor with you in your mission. Yes, God. And so, Lord, for every single person here, for everyone in the sound of my voice, I just release that impartation, that yeah. revelation even, that the kingdom of God is bigger than what they're doing right now. It's bigger than them. And that, Lord, will you just create in them, in each and every one of us, a greater passion a greater desire to know yes. the king and to establish his kingdom here on earth i mm. just release that right now i just release that right now know the king and establish his kingdom here on earth in jesus name amen
Amen. 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 Well, well, thank you so much. So in terms of uh, contact information, you're on social media. Your wife, uh, Lois, is leading what's called Hope Spring. Yep. Hopespring.info. Info. So you can yep. look that up. And then you're also about to launch a new a media platform called thisisthekingdom.com, correct? That's right. And okay. that will that will go live on the first of September. And but you so, can you can chat to me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. You know where. Excellent. Yeah. So look okay. up Ken Gott, G O T T, and and it's just it'll his his wealth me. of information and the teaching that he's offered over the last uh, four decades. I mean, just the grace of God that's on his life and on his uh, uh, wife's uh, Lois's life is just phenomenal. We encourage you to check it out and also. So uh, Leaders Alliance, come to our website, leadersalliance.org. You can sign up for some of our free training, but also, you know, consider becoming a member and joining us next week. We're going to have Mark Berlinson speaking. He's an expert and a coach in uh, life languages, and he'll be talking about how to build team uh, from a biblical standpoint. It's amazing. The next week we have uh, actually a Jim Paul, who's a prophetic church planter in Canada, who's going to be speaking week after after we have Steve Fish, who's uh, leading our uh, pastoral catalyst group, uh, just an amazing man of God. And so we have some great people lined up over this next season. And then Stu Glasper is going to be speaking in our next open house. So come and join us. This is going to be an amazing month. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his grace to, sh to just smother you with good things. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless amen. you all. Amen.